everyone, and welcome to episode number 238 of The Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Jonathan Stark. Hello. And I'm the other half of the panel. I'm Ruben Lerner. <laughs> and uh, this week, we will be talking about building your audience. So so let's see, like way back when, when I, not when I started consulting, when I started like talk to people online and like read stuff, everyone said, you've got to have a mailing list. And I was like, what are you talking about? That's ridiculous. And over time, like- school. It's not even old school. I thought, well, I've, I've got a website and people know to contact me. And why, why would I really want you know a mailing list? And what would I do with it? And so I slowly but surely um, sort of began to understood, began understand. Actually, this is like crucially important. And so we'll talk this week about like different techniques for growing it. And I actually have two different audiences, completely, completely different audiences that I've been working on growing over the last year with actually like some degree of success and many scars to, uh, to, to prove that I have uh, the learning comes and fits and starts. Love it. Yeah. I've got, I've got some, definitely some things to add. It's a lot of sort of trial and error and tips and tricks type of stuff, but uh, looking forward to this. So, so let me just say like, like, so I have two, actually I guess three now, like three newsletters that I send out. So like the main one is what I've, what I've started calling, or I guess I call now, uh, like, let's become better developers. And so every Monday I send out, well, let me, let me back up even. I've had this list for like, I don't know, three years. And I finally got advice. I can't remember who it was from. I'll remember. Oh, Marcus, Marcus Blankenship. He said to me, well, what you should really do is not just send out like announcements every so often. You should send out something every week and then on occasion send out announcements. And I said, oh. Yeah, that's what people sort of do, unless they're totally crazy and obsessive and do it every day. Um, not that I know anyone who does that, right? Uh, and so for the last, I think, three months, I've been sending out a weekly, like, Monday message. Um, and it's automated. So it's like the whole evergreen thing where when you sign up, then you get number one, then number two, number three. So that, like, has been going for about three months. And I think I skipped one or two weeks, but mostly it works. I've got another one for trainers, which is super tiny. Oh, and then, like, so this better developers list is now up to about 2,500, 2,700 people. Hey everybody, this is Charles Maxwood. I just wanted to talk to you really briefly about JS Remote Comp. Uh, we just picked speakers. Things are looking really good. And uh, we're really excited to cover a broad range of topics for JavaScript developers. So if you're looking to learn things about Node.js, about becoming a better developer, about deployment, about mobile development, and much more, and much more about JavaScript, then come check us out, jsremoteconf.com. Uh, you can also find it by going to devchat.tv slash conferences and then picking the conference you want. We have last year's recordings there. We have this year's uh, conference coming up. So make sure you get your ticket and we'll see you there. One, the number two, number three. So that like has been going for about three months. And I think I skipped one or two weeks, but mostly it works. I've got another one for trainers, which is super tiny. Oh, and then, like, so this Bear Developers list is now up to about 2,500, 2,700 people. Um, okay, the, well, my wait, let's pause there for well. Sure, sure, sure. 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 So growth-wise, you said it's been around for a while. Growth-wise, is that has it picked up recently, or has it been a slow, steady thing? Or like, how are you acquiring people on that list? So fits and starts. So for a while, I was doing a webinar, like once every two months or so. Mm -hmm. And so if the webinar had to do with Python, then I would announce it to the Python mailing list. So they're like three... Uh, you know, Python Weekly and PyCoders Weekly sort of mailing lists. And typically one or two of them would pick it up. And that would get me, let's say, 100 people to sign up. And by signing up, you get on my mailing list. Mm -hmm. um, so that would be like every two months, boom, another 100, 200 people, sometimes more. If I had a big, like a blog post that went somewhat viral, then I would get a bunch more from there. Um, but these were all like, you have to sort of, you know, one hit wonders, and then you have to come up with something new. Mm -hmm. And yep. so lately, um, I just tried this actually, I think starting about, two weeks ago, maybe even a week ago, I've tried different content upgrades. Um, something that uh, Ari Lamstein, who you know, like had suggested to me is, if you have um, a blog post where it mentions code, 
have a content upgrade, like download the code from this, uh, from this uh, page. Nice. And that basically went nowhere for me. Like for him, I know it's been super successful for me. It's been super un- unuseful, mm. but I then, uh, I have this, uh, um, like Python data structures cheat sheet that I give out to all my courses. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, I should just like put this on my blog. So I did. And I've been getting now, like from that, probably about four or five signups a day. Oh, nice. This is a straight up lead magnet. Right. Right. Yeah. So all these different things have sort of worked in different ways. Um, but it seems like the, the, the slow, steady best one so far has been the lead magnet, even though it's still relatively new. Mm-hmm. Yep. That uh-huh. actually tracks to my experience, which is that people, a nice, short, punchy sort of checklist, infographic kind of resource lead magnet, not an 80 page book, is a great lead magnet, like something that people feel like they can, can consume in like five minutes or even less and then pack away for future reference. That that seems to be the most effective, which is pretty counterintuitive because you feel like, oh, I need to put all I need to pack all this value into this <laughs> giant thing. And uh, it doesn't seem to be the case. I've heard I've heard that over and over. And perhaps it's echo chamber, you know, because I talk to the same people all the time. But it, it I have seen that same dynamic working for me where people, you know, a uh, an hour long video lead magnet is not as sticky or not as attractive as a, a one page checklist or a five-page proposal template people are much more interested in that than sitting being like eh, when am i going to have time to watch this video type of thing very interesting hmm. the, the other way that i've been getting people onto my list is i have a bunch of email courses and like i have one for each of my books so i have one on python like exercises and one on regular expression exercises and and so from there people sort of go through the whole sequence of the email course mm-hmm. and then after the last one then they get put onto my main list Mm-hmm. So it might take a little bit of time, but because it's evergreen, like they'll start from the beginning and just sort of churn through. Mm-hmm. So each of these sort of contributes something. So it hasn't like, I would love to have, you know, 50 people a day joining my list or hundred people a day. But for now, like I'm happy just to see that the, the trend be very positive. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, if Philip was here, he would say that it's all about quality, not quantity. And at least for him. And he, he doesn't mind not having spikes. Because, you know, what what good does that do? You just end up with a lower open rate, which increases your your sort of likelihood of triggering somebody's spam flag. You want people to be constantly opening your... You want, you want high open rates because uh, it increases your deliverability. So, you know, email... Yeah, you send out whatever. I send out, say, 1,500 emails a day, and they get... About half of them get opened. Who knows what, you know, the other ones, maybe they did get open and they didn't turn on images or whatever. It's like you, you, you want to make sure that stuff is at least landing in people's inboxes or what's the point. So pruning your list and keeping it high quality supposedly has benefits in that way. Uh, do you do that? Do you, pr- do you prune your list? Um, I have not done that, but my list is my list is a strange thing. It, it kind of prunes itself because I email every day. So <laughs> people unsubscribe every day. And, uh, and my open rates are regularly around 45%, which is pretty good. So Wow, that's very nice. Yeah, I haven't had to worry about it too much. But it, but I would, you know, if I got a huge... So, like, if I showed up on, like, a TV show or something and I got, like, a massive influx of leads or signups, uh, members on the list, I, I would definitely do that, you know, because that's a low quality... Or, like, recently I, I paid 750 bucks to sponsor somebody's... It's a really popular blog. And it... it um, you know, there was a spike in signups, but then are, are they good? You know, I don't know. So we'll see. But yeah, if, if you if your list quality is low, it creates problems for the overall thing, supposedly. 
I'll, I'll tell you um, when I switched, and we'll talk about this list in a little bit. But when I switched my uh, Chinese learning Chinese list to Drip from Aweber, I noticed that the uh, open rate dropped precipitously, hmm. and so I um, I was worried. Well, maybe it has to do with like the you know there's email sending, there's this, there's that. So I actually um, made a little segment. I forget what they call it. But, like I made a segment of all the people who had not opened the last like three messages, mm-hmm. and I sent the mail saying, "Hey, just want to make sure it's not going to spam or something, or I'll remove you." Mm-hmm. Well. I've never gotten so much love in my life for this list <laughs> because basically all of these people wrote to me and said, no, 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 I opened it. I read it. Please don't take me off. So, which leads me to believe that these open rates and the trackers are way off uh-huh. and maybe they're the metric that everyone uses. They might be the metric that everyone uses to measure sort of success or not, but there are a lot of people who are not registering as opening who actually are. Yeah. So like the number, I think you can trust that the number is not lower than it is, but it's probably higher. So yeah. if your if your open rate says forty percent, it it could be much higher because people maybe ha- I believe the way the tracking works is that they have, you know, one pixel hidden images in the email, and when the email gets opened, if the image loads, it pings the server and they register that as a as a as an open. So if they don't have images turned on, like the default for Gmail is that you do not have images turned on, so there's no way to track it unless they manually. Uh-huh. Use it. I see. Oh, you know, I remember hearing that Gmail was going to do something like that. And I, I never thought of it because I don't use Gmail. But right, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, a lot so, of people use Gmail, so that would affect a lot of people. Right. And, and there's no reason, you know, if I, uh, you know, some people are, email marketer people are clever, and they'll purposely put uh, an important graphic in the email so they have to turn images on or, or <laughs> they miss out on some important piece of content. I don't do that because it's just too much of a pain in the butt every day to put an image in there. Uh, so, you know, I, I just assume that like my open rate is, is at least what it says and could be much higher, but I like the idea of, I like the idea of uh, what you just said to send it just to sort of take the temperature of the list and be like, look, it, it seems like you haven't been opening these emails. I want to make sure that I go into spam. No, 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 don't unsubscribe. <laughs> it was, I was so flooded by mail for those, the, the days after that taught me quite a lesson, right. but it was also a really, a, a very nice feeling to know, Oh, like there are all these people around the world who, who actually appreciate what I'm doing and what I'm writing. Yeah. It's hugely encouraging. Um, All right, cool. So you mentioned the Chinese list. Let's talk about that for a second, because in the pre-show, I was like, you blew my mind. (laughs) So um, I guess it's like two and a half years. So I've been taking Chinese lessons just about every day for about two and a half years now. Um, And this has become, as my family knows, quite an obsession of mine. Uh, Like, and I'm way, way, way short of fluent. Like, don't like I have a horrible accent. My vocabulary and grammar is stink. But like when I go there, I can actually communicate and I can sort of kind of read what I'm what's going on. It's an amazing feeling. So around around that time, I thought, huh, I wonder if I can somehow monetize this obsession of mine. Mm. And I thought about Peter Cooper with all of his email lists for programming languages. And I thought, wouldn't it be great if someone did this for people learning Chinese? And the the numbers are there are 40 million people around the world learning Chinese. Mm. So I thought, well, if he can run a full time business with like eight or 10 employees with like 75,000 JavaScript programmers and a handful of other things, then I can probably turn this into a nice side business also. Yeah. So Mandarin Weekly has been running now, I guess I just did uh, issue 105. So it's been running for just just over two years now, every Monday. And it's like, you know, the sort of Peter Cooper style thing of send out a bunch of links Mm -hmm. uh, to people. And it was about, I guess, so it was hovering like 200 people, 300 people, 500 people. And I would occasionally try to um, advertise on LinkedIn and I would advertise on Google, I I would advertise on Facebook and nothing was really taking off. And when I would um, advertise, oh, not advertise, when I would post something to the Reddit group for Chinese learners, uh, they would sort of slam me and they even docked me once. They put me on timeout for two weeks. How, how dare you? How dare you promote your own posts? How, okay. how dare you send people valuable information? <laughs> well, I think, they're just, first of all, you know, Reddit is like weird. But secondly, I think that 
they saw it as something of competition, right? Because here I am choosing 20 good links each week, more or less, for people learning Chinese. And you know, that's what's supposed to be their job, at least in that subreddit. Uh. So I did a few giveaways. Um, and the giveaways, like King Sumo is basically this, this well-known giveaway thing where you put in a WordPress site and you say, we are going to give away three copies of blah. And so people sign up. And if they sign up, they have a chance to win. And for every friend they have signed up, then they get more chances to win. Okay. And this was like, okay. What? But nothing amazing. Like, I, I've heard the, the King Sumo name sort of bounced around a little bit. I think I might have even been bundled into one at one time. But can you describe that a little bit more, like a specific instance sure. of a time that you did that so it can, it can like click with me? Sure. So there's a um, there's an online Chinese learning system called or, or like something called Chinese Pod, and you can buy memberships for like six months or a year. So I asked them, uh, would you please give me two half year memberships to give away to my readers? And they said yes. So I then posted in my mailing list for two weeks in a row. So like the, you have twenty links, you have twenty links in descriptions. And the top one said giveaway. Would you like to win six months of free man? Uh, six months free of Chinese Pod. Just click here. And enter your name and your email address. And if you enter your friends, then you'll get more chances. So the click here was in the mail that I sent out. That brought them to a page on my WordPress-based site. And basically, it's, it's King Sumo is a WordPress plugin. You have to pay for it. Okay. Um, I think it's a one-time payment. And you can either pay. I can't remember if it's like you pay some amount for one site or a larger amount for any number of sites, something along those lines. So I think I paid the larger amount just because who knows when I'm going to want to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, so they go to that site. And then they get sort of a longer pitch. And then they enter their name and they enter their email address and they are then told, okay, you're entered. Here's that, your that person's already on your list. Well, maybe, maybe they were on my list. Maybe the list was, like, for, was forwarded to them. Maybe they just came to the website. Cause what I do is every Monday I send out his email and every Tuesday I post it to the website. Okay. So people might've just stumbled upon the website. Although quite frankly, that's probably relatively unlikely. Yeah. Okay. So, so basically like, and, and so people would sign up. Now the thing is I didn't have email working on my server the right way. So a lot of those people, no, I mean, I was really dumb. I, I didn't really understand it until just literally a few weeks ago. So I think a lot of people never got the email saying, congratulations, you're in. They just saw the congratulations you're in on the website. So like when they registered, they found out, which probably led to way, way lower levels of interest. That said, you know, I would get 50, 100, 200 new people signed up to the list each time I did that. Wow. That's a, um, that's a respectable bump. Yeah, yeah, no, it wasn't, wasn't about, bad at all. You know, a list that just had a few hundred people on it. Right. Um, the real thing, though, that took off was when I started doing Facebook advertising. Hmm. Um, and I decided I was just going to pour some money into this. I said, you know what? Like, luckily, my other consulting work is doing okay. I am going to do some experimentation, and I'm willing to, like, boost my subscriber numbers paying for Facebook ads hmm. uh, because I know that it'll sort of work out in the long run. Or I am a moron who's an optimist and believe it'll work out in the long run. <laughs> uh, take, take your pick. So... So I started experimenting with Facebook ads and I've not done any serious A-B testing. Mm. But um, so I try, so I've tried to sort of figure out which countries, which ages, which interests. And the, the key thing that I found was choosing the interests. If I were to choose like people who like Chinese or like Chinese characters, I would get tons of likes from my page and almost no signups. Uh-huh. Um, but if I chose people who had, were studying Chinese, right, not just interested, then that boosted it. And the real change happened when I started using Facebook lead ads. And lead ads are these things. They see your ad, and all they have to do to sign up is they click on the button, sign up. Because it has their and email. It has their email, it has their name, and that sends a note to Drip saying, sign this person up with the API. Boom. Like, granted, I'm paying probably like, I don't know, 
between 50 cents and $2 per lead mm. per, per new email address. But um, the list is now like, as of, as of us speaking, uh, it's now at 9,400 people <laughs> and I will easily get to 2000. I will easily get to 10,000 by Monday of next week because I, I've sort of figured out if I advertise like which countries are most likely and sort of low paying and so on and so forth. Yeah. Okay. So, but you're, if you're paying 50 cents to a dollar and you're getting, you know, I mean, you're, you're spending some cash. I'm definitely spending some money on this, right? I'm definitely spending like this for the last two, three months. I've probably been spending like a few thousand dollars a month on advertising. Yes. <laughs> the heads, I can hear heads exploding in the audience. Look, and, and, and like this could be, as I said, like a completely moronic experiment at the same time. Like, I think I found sort of the cheapest, fastest way to grow it. Although I'm going to do some more giveaways now that the list is so much bigger. Mm. And I think, and I think now between the list being bigger and having better giveaways and having the email working, that should help to really grow it quite a lot more. Interesting. Very cool. So uh, one question about the Peter Cooper style email that you're sending to men or weekly, which is what's the, the, the thing about that is you're positioning yourself as a, a curator. If you're doing it, if you're doing it the way the Peter Cooper ones work. That's totally it. Yes. Yeah. So you're not positioning yourself as an expert, which, which really is not, it's not a question. It's just a, making a point that it changes the way your options for monetizing the audience. So the way that Peter Cooper does it, he's, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't do JavaScript weekly to make people think he's amazing at JavaScript. He does it to sell ads for other people who want to get the attention of, uh, you know, people who are interested in JavaScript. Right. So is that right. kind of like your end game or are you thinking that you would, I don't know, pivot into like, I mean, do you have, have you thought it through? Like what, what the, what is the, the, cause it sounds like very interesting. I'm, very, I'm fascinated by the fact I'm always fascinated by the kind of ads that work on Facebook and the kind that don't, you know, like you're not going to advertise a high touch consulting service to 50 CIOs <laughs> on Facebook. It's, it's all about like, uh, I mean, as segmented as Facebook ads can be, it's still a mass market play. You know, you, you are, it seems to work best for consumer goods or things that are general interest and, you know, learning Mandarin maybe doesn't count as general interest, but there are millions of people doing it, right? 40 million people. Right. It's pretty big. So it's just fascinating to me to like, see what things work there and what things don't. And then, okay, you're paying with that. Would you say a couple thousand dollars a month? Yeah. At this point it's been like, I don't know, I'm guessing like two to $3,000 a month for the last few months. Yeah. And so, and, but it's working. Then, oh my god and, and like there have been days when, when i sort of go to see like the drip subscribers and literally like every two minutes there's a new subscriber if i if i hit it right with the right demographics then it's just astonishing how fast the people sign up mm. right and then so once you have people on the list then the question is like okay how do you make back that couple thousand dollars a month you're spending in the ads right so my hope is not to keep spending that amount of money indefinitely, right? Uh, you know, we, we do have to pay a mortgage and other such things. Um, I, see this, I, mean, I do see this as an investment because my plan is to, I mean, I've had some ads. So I've had like, I don't know, over the course of the last year, maybe I've had six, eight different companies advertise. And I did that for two reasons. One was to get a little bit of money, which was nice. But the second thing is so that my readers know there might be ads, right? Like, don't be so surprised if this happens because mm -hmm. it will happen. Gotcha. Um, Smart. I definitely need to be more aggressive about like reaching out. And I started doing that. Like in the last week, literally I emailed a few companies and I said, um, would you like to advertise? Uh, this is, you know, this is what, and basically what I said was I have, at that point it was 8,000 people. Now it's like, uh, you know, 9,500 people. Mm -hmm. So, and the open rate is blah over the last two months. I have an open rate of like uh, 30% and a click rate of, I think like five to 6% per mm -hmm. issue. 
That's which good. that's like, a solid click rate. Yeah, like it's not bad. I see the la- in the last week or two, I see it's gone down a bit. Like it's only twenty five percent. So my guess is that's because I've been getting so many new people. So some of them are not such high quality. So I need to figure out how to get rid of those. Mm-hmm. But like overall, it's still like not bad. Um, and we'll see. Like I've already got a company that. As I mentioned before, like if they're not interested in advertising, pay me cash, then I will turn back to them and I'll say, well, would you be interested in a giveaway? Because that at least will grow my list. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I am that and give it away on AppSumo. That's right. Interesting. That's right. <laughs> and and my, so the end game here is basically like I am convinced that given enough time and hopefully not infinite time, uh, I will have enough people subscribe to this. Like I could end up being within the next year or two, ridiculous as it sounds, the largest like publisher of Chinese learning materials like in the world, <laughs> just, just right, which is absurd. But given the number of people on the list and the growth rate, it's definitely possible. And there are a lot of companies that are vying for that audience. Oh, and I did a survey. This was another thing I did about a year ago. I did a survey on SurveyMonkey asking them like, where are you from and why are you learning Chinese and what do you use to learn more Chinese? And so like 80 percent of the people said I use apps and websites to improve above and beyond like my classes. Mm. So I go to advertisers and I say, these people have said they use your sort of product. Wouldn't you like to be in front of them? Mm. Wow. So I, I definitely see this as like a very decent side income, um, yeah. but but like a year in the future. Yep. It's hilarious. The thing about email lists that's hilarious to me is how under the radar it is. Like it's it's just wild. Like the only people that know about it are the people that know about it. It's, does, it's usually not like a, I don't know. It feels it feels like a private community more than I mean, I, I've joked in the past before I even understood what I meant. I've joked in the past that email was the original social network. <laughs> Reply all. You know, it's like you know, it's like automatically private. You can see who's included in the list and it's, it's crazy easy. And the, the but the discovery problem is the trick. Like you the only way to get on the list is for an existing member to invite someone by adding them to the reply to. So that, that's that's a tough problem. Um, I just want to mention like one or two things. One is perhaps the most shocking thing to me is not only how like under the radar it is, but it feels there's no difference in my feeling editing between when I did this the first issue or the second issue. And like I've run, I've written a, like a custom Python program to like extract it from Excel and put it into HTML and so forth. But there's no difference between like writing it now for ten thousand people and writing it for ten people. Mm. It's it's literally the same feeling, which means like the growth. It's nice, and I get responses and so forth. But like, I don't feel the growth without looking at the stats. Mm-hmm. The other thing is personal. It feels personal, but it also feels like okay. So like, I don't have, I don't have. It's like I guess if you're on like, I mean, on this podcast even, right? Like, we don't when we're talking, we don't know if we're talking to five people or you know, hundred people or a thousand people mm. or a million people. We know. Uh, <laughs> but I do sometimes. Like, I'll see someone sign up from like. A, a domain and I think oh that's an interesting looking domain I wonder where that's from and I go and I found out it's a school and then I find out like then I find within the next hour three four other people from the same domain have signed up mm. so I figure it's like a teacher telling their students or a teacher telling their colleagues so there is sort of a slow word of mouth mm. and I have put at the top of every uh like the, the mail and uh, web posting, like blog posting, I have um, like what are they called? Add this buttons, which I'm not convinced are really that great. But like I said to people, please share this, please tell other people. Mm-hmm. I think I need a better way to get the word out, but something along those lines can't hurt. Yeah. Yep. I could be better about that too. Um, um, okay, cool. So, so that's Mandarin Weekly and you have another one. So we talked about let's be better coders and Mandarin Weekly and there's another one. 
And so the new one, um, the newest one I've been doing for like a month, month and a half now is what I call Trainer Weekly. And this is just, um, this is for people doing technical training. And it's a combination of people, like, it's basically aimed at the people who I eventually want to be writing a book for that I keep promising I'm writing a book and I'm not yet able to do it because I don't have time. Um, so this is sort of giving them the highlights of how do you attack clients, how do you teach, it's the, like what I call the business and the pedagogy of technical training. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the same sort of thing where like, you know, every week I send it out. Um, and there I've been really bad and weak about growing it. I think I'm up to like 30 subscribers, 40 subscribers. Mm-hmm. Um, and there I don't care so much for two reasons. One is I feel like I'm hashing through a whole bunch of topics and each of these topics will be a chapter in the book that's coming. Mm-hmm. So it's good for me. The second thing is I'm increasing my authority on the subject. And even if I only have like 30, 40 people, um, whatever it is, subscribing, these are people who, when I start like a coaching community or a membership community, are likely to sign up. Yeah, the early adopters. Yep. Yep. So, um, so that's been like slow, but yeah. So here's the funny, here's a, an analogy from my earlier, a past life of mine. So I'm a musician originally. Like I went to college for music and, you know, did the, you know, regional touring thing with a rock band. And after that... Oh, wow. Yeah, after that, went and did like a solo acoustic sort of Dave Matthews-y kind of thing where I'd play in in restaurants for three hours and do, you know, whatever. I'd just do a, three sets of music, just like me and the guitar. And <clears throat> there's a vast difference between sitting in your room or an empty room and playing, which you almost can't even, you can't even call it a performance if no one's there. It's practicing. There's a vast difference between zero and one in the audience. So if you know, like I can sit in my room and practice all day long, but at this point in my life, it's, I just, it's so boring. I can't, I literally cannot force myself to play in front of no one. Even if I'm saying to myself, okay, I need to practice that. I can't do it. I I cannot do it unless someone's watching. So the, the idea of having even 30 people on a mailing list, because doing something like a book outline and hashing throughout ideas without any audience is really, really hard. Because you you probably, in most cases, you don't, you either have the curse of knowledge or you don't understand how to say it in a way that is of interest to people who, who are new, you know, so especially something that you've been good at for a long time, as opposed to something you just learned and you're teaching people who are like three weeks behind you. Uh, the, the idea right. of taking something that you're actually good at and experienced at and being able to, you know, as Einstein says, if you can't explain it, if you can't explain it easily, you don't know it well enough. It's like having that audience there to kind of like find your language is kind of, is the best way I can describe it is invaluable. It doesn't matter if it's one person or 30 or, you know, it's almost like you want it to kind of be small when you're still figuring out how you want to, uh, what your direction is going to be, like what your set list is going to be. Uh, but uh, I, I think that's like so cool. And the, and again, the under the radar thing with email, it feels a little less exposed to me to do stuff like that on email than it would be if I was, writing in full public view on like my website when I'm like hashing out an idea as a blog post. And then like six months later, I'm like, Oh, I can't believe I said something that dopey, you know, (laughs) it just feels like a little bit more uh, exposed, I think on a web, in in a web way where an email, yeah, you can forward it, but you know, it's not the same thing as like, like an email is not gonna go viral, (laughs) you know? Right. So I I think that's super cool. That's uh, it's wild that you have these three, completely different lists that have different purposes and are, you know, at different stages of maturity and you're promoting in different ways. It's you're like a tour de force of email marketing. 
<laughs> I, I wish. I mean, I, I'm sort of toward a force of trying all sorts of things. Uh, you know, throwing throwing uh, things at the wall and seeing what'll stick. Um, I actually am, am planning. I realize I should have done this a while ago, but I'm rereading uh, Moist's book on Facebook ads because mm-hmm. when I read it when it first came out. Truth be told, none of it made sense to me. I was like, oh yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever. This doesn't make sense. Now I feel like I'm going to read and actually understand what she's talking about and be able to make more intelligent choices about, you know, whether it's A-B testing or what I put in there or how I market things. Mm. Um, oh, which reminds me, I mean, I've, I've tried this in the last, last, I guess, week or two, uh, sort of another attempt to um, market my regular expressions book. Oh, so I've been doing yeah. like face, Facebook advertising there. Oh my God. <laughs> I've gotten, I've never had so many comments so many hateful comments on an ad in my life. All these people are like, regular expressions are stupid. No one should learn them. Um, no, you, you have know, two guys, problems. Right? Oh, yeah. Like, so, so, like, and, and my favorite was this uh, engineer. I think he works for Airbnb. I think from checking, like, how old he is, he's, like, 25, 26. And he said, I want to be working on real problems, like neural networks and um, containers, not trivial problems like regular expressions. So I wrote back to him. I said, okay, well, like, in my 25 years of working with hundreds of companies, this is actually a useful tool, not for everyone, but, like, for many people. So, you know, his response is, well, I guess maybe you know, maybe you have a little more experience than I do. Yeah. I think so, kid. <laughs> nice to see that you've got time to make a comment on something that you're not interested in. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like it's some of like you're challenging him to drop what he's doing. Like your ad made him question his choice in career. <laughs> Yeah, so so it's kind of wild, but it's it's fun to sort of see see the growth and see what's going on in, in different places and uh, experiment. Um, sure is. So I have a question for you. So you've got three, at least three, reasonably different kind of these lists have kind of like three different identities. There's some right. relation. The Mandarin ones are completely out of left field, but the other ones are sort of related. They're technical, but not but really. Not the exact same thing. So how do you deal with, you know, like the identity, online identity things and and trying to make some sense of it for people? Because and I'll tell you exactly the problem I'm dealing with now. Maybe you've got some solution for it. Or maybe you don't care. Uh, but I have enough Twitter followers on my main account, which is my name, that I can't. I'm trying to separate the two kinds of content that I I share, which is sort of business coaching stuff for software developers like we talk about on this show. But my older business, and I would call it my main business still, is mobile strategy consulting. And the the things that I'm going to talk about to those two different audiences are utterly unrelated. So <laughs> I started sort of tweeting about the from about both things from the same place and didn't, I don't know, there's like it's really difficult with identity online to kind of be like, yeah, I'm, I'm a polymath or I have like these two interests. It kind of goes polar opposite to my normal advice for people, which is to have your marketing be like crazy laser focused and make it much more, um, make it just super clear who you help and how you help them. And it's like impossible to like, I could, I started a new Twitter account for this stuff, but people still respond to me on the other account because they search for Jonathan Stark on Twitter and they get my regular. Uh-huh. So I can't like force them to move. You know, it'd be one thing if, you know, it, it's just impo- like, I, I think it's impossible. So, uh, it, I don't know if you do experience this kind of problem anywhere online or is that, you know, I've got the same problem on LinkedIn where people kind of 
follow me, people know me from two different worlds. And, you know, if I was back in a band again, I'd have a third audience of like, what the hell is this guy talking about? Like, I just wanted to get his like latest MP3s and he's talking about like ditching hourly billing. Like, what? <laughs> so it's almost like I want to adopt a different identity for each one to kind of insulate the crowd from irrelevant information. You know, whichever audience they're just going to get like two thirds of it's going to be irrelevant, which I don't like the idea of, but I'm not, I have no idea how to, how to like shift that because there's no way to segment your, I, I can't, I can't find a way to segment, you know, I've got like 10,000 followers on Twitter. How do I segment that into people who care about this and that? So, yeah, I mean, my solution has basically been so, so, um, first of all, so drip has this thing and it took me a long time to find this out. In fact, someone had to tell me that you can have, like, I always thought, so if you go to the like drip and you choose in the upper right hand corner, you, there's like a menu from your domain name and you can click on something called new account. Yeah. And I thought that meant, Oh, I'll pay for another domain. Yeah. No, it has nothing to do with paying. Like you can just do another different domain. So I already have Mandarin weekly under a different account there in drip with its own, because I broadcast there, I don't have a campaign. So it's totally separate. Like there can't be any crossover between that and what I do with my developer lists of any sort. Um, it has its own Facebook page. It has its own, um, uh, what did I want to say? You know, its own domain. Uh, it has its own Twitter account. Um, so, so I have a whole bunch of things that are separate for it. The only thing that's sort of combined with me is the email address it comes out under. It comes out under my email address, my personal one. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure, sort of like what you're saying, I'm sure there are people who subscribe to Mandarin Weekly who'd be quite surprised to discover that my main gig is as a computer consultant and trainer <laughs> and not like teaching Chinese. Um, although the moment they would hear me talk, you know, they, they know very well. Um, so, so I have tried to separate in that way. That said, uh, when I put up the Mandarin Weekly posts on WordPress on every Tuesday, uh, I, I take advantage of the WordPress's ability to put stuff out on different social media. Mm -hmm. And so I put it out on Twitter and I put it out on Facebook, but I also put it out on LinkedIn under my own personal thing. Now, whether that's good or bad, I don't know, but I definitely get comments on occasion from people like, what's this Chinese thing you're doing? <laughs> like, I'll show up at a client somewhere where I haven't seen them in a while and they'll be utterly perplexed. Hey there, this is Charles Maxwood, and I just wanted to talk to you really briefly about Freelance Remote Conf. I'm putting on a conference for people who want to go freelance or who are freelance and bringing in some of the experts from the Freelancer Show to talk to you about how to find clients, how to collect money, how to build your business, how to specialize, and much, much more. So if you're thinking about going freelance or you're already freelance and want to hear from the experts on how to go, become, or grow your freelancing business, then by all means, come check us out at freelanceremoteconf.com. I definitely get comments on occasion from like, What's this Chinese thing you're doing? <laughs> like, I'll show up at a client somewhere where I haven't seen them in a while, and they'll be utterly perplexed. Um, That's what I, I see. I don't like that. I don't like that perplexed thing, but I can't find any way around it. And and I suppose it's interesting. I mean, it, it did, I think it is interesting, but in terms of from a marketing standpoint, confusion is not good. So yes, like they see it as a facet of my personality. They don't have to know that this is a business I'm building. Yeah, right. They just know this is like a, a weird hobby that I have. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, honestly, I'm just going to have to, you know, I think I just have to suck it up and be like, um, whatever. I just tweet about a bunch of stuff. And then it always boils down to the same thing for me. What do I put in my Twitter bio? Because right. I, I advise everybody to do, you know, to be like, I help Dennis get more patients, you know, like just super clear, not necessarily on Twitter, but like on a website. Just make your marketing super clear. I, you know, I help SaaS owners reduce churn, full stop. Oh, okay. I'm a SaaS owner. I hate churn, so I'm going to read this page. But I, I can't. I right. cannot find a way to translate that to to the big social media platforms. 
at least on Facebook, you can make different pages, which I have done. But, you know, I've got that sort of, I'm sort of stuck because my main business is under my personal name. And when, you know, JonathanStark.com. So when people, people like know to search for my name, even with coaching stuff, people know to search for my name and not expensive problems. So that's like, they don't remember expensive problem. They remember Jonathan Stark. So I've got that. There's just no way to be like, you know, I don't like the confusion of having a Twitter bio that says like, I do a bunch of things, <laughs> you know, right. You know, or like I, and, but I also don't like the idea of, and in fact, I've tried to do this in the past and it's just a, it's a losing battle to be like, Oh, don't reply to me here. Go over to that account and reply to me. Could you repost? Oh my God. It's like a ridiculous. For, I've had one email address for now 20 years or more than 20 years. And I actually just prefer to have everything go through there rather than set up different accounts for different things. Worst case, I'll set up an alias that can go to me for various things. But for me, I mean, I even have this with some of my clients where they insist on setting me up with an address at their domain. And then I just set it up to forward to mine. Yeah, I do the exact same thing. So an email is another one that is tricky. It's like, what do I put in my signature line? Because I'm emailing. And I mean, honestly, my approach has been to put nothing. So because you can't because here the problem I've had is that, you know, I, I don't think my mobile clients ever visit my website. They're already my clients. They do not need to go to my website for any reason. So I don't. So I'll change my JonathanStark.com website with impunity and never worry about it because I know they're not there. Like they're not looking at my site and like noticing every little change. Uh, but and do they come there thinking about hiring you? No, no, like no, how many people who already are working with me? Oh, okay. No, but I'm saying like like big, you know, Fortune 100, Fortune 500 companies. They're interested in hiring you. Do they come to your website, or is it presumably in some other way they get to you? No. Uh, they usually check out my website. Yeah, <laughs> there's usually so the the way that would typically work is that they would either have somebody would have recommended me, and then they Google it. And they peruse the site a little bit and say, oh, there's a picture of him on CNN. And, you know, like, and, oh, this guy seems like real deal. Who's he worked for? Okay, okay. Um, so, yeah, I, they do. I, you know, I think, I think the, the, the normal procedure when someone is considering hiring an expensive, you know, part, whatever you want to call it, like a consultant, they're going to Google the person first. And, and that's my site's got my name, so it's going to come up, like, right at the top. So then you're going to click on it. They're immediately going to start reading it, of course. So, but the thing right. is, clients, I don't worry about changing it. And a lot of people have the fear that, oh, if I change my website, I'm going to alienate people who are already my clients because they'll see that I'm focusing on something besides them. And that's, I think that's phony because why would your clients ever be going to your website after they're already working with you? They can just call you. So, okay. So I don't think that's a big deal. But when, when someone's emailing you, and they're your client and you're emailing them back and you put the wrong because i've tried to do this i've tried to be like okay who's this person what's this person interested in for their own benefit i want to have like an appropriate uh sort of signature line that says like oh you know expensiveproblem.com because this person's interested in coaching or someone who's interested in mobile jonathanstark.com but then i forget and there's no good way to toggle it and uh it's just like it's just exhausting and probably pointless the thing and really the only thing i'm trying to do is reduce confusion because I, I just don't like the idea of confusion. But when you have a sort of multifaceted, uh, I don't want to say personality, but like you've got things going on, like you, you, you're even worse than me in terms of what, <laughs> you know, lots of interests. There's a sort of data science on top of it and machine learning and everything else. It's like, okay, um, what do you do? You know, and it turns into this, I just hate, I just don't, it drives me nuts, but I just cannot figure out a way to kind of present the role 
that's appropriate to the audience consistently? So, I mean, what I definitely, I mean, I don't know if I've tried so much as it just sort of happened is I sort of present myself as well. I'm this guy who does a few different things. And if you're interested in this, click here. If you're interested in that, click there. And it, it is, I guess, I mean, my main website still talks about training, right? That's it. My main, main website doesn't really talk about other stuff at all. Uh, maybe here and there, like I guess I have an e- it says email course, like my blog mentions a little bit. Um, so that that's not like so concerning to me. Um, and the Mandarin Weeks and stuff, like I'm not selling it to anyone, so I don't need to worry about that nearly as much. It's got its own domain anyway. But I mean, I, I, I guess like it sounds like the, the big worry you have is if someone comes and they're just totally the wrong audience, what do you say so that it's appropriate for either of them? Probably what you don't want to do is have this, these two buttons on the, you know, come to jonathanstark.com, click here if you're a CEO, click here if you want to sell to CEOs, right? That probably will not go over very well. Yeah, and you see that. You do. You see that <laughs> sometimes. So... Uh, it's that that's one of the things about email that I love is that you can segment the audience internally so that even if you did have them all in the same account, which would be weird, um, you, you could at least deal with that because you could find out what their interests are and you keep track of it because they're not anonymous, like people viewing your Twitter account or people viewing your LinkedIn or people viewing your website. They're anonymous people. So you really have no choice but to kind of be like, okay, you know, uh, like maybe like Nick D does, where if you go to Nick D's, nickd.org or whatever his, his sort of personal site is, it's kind of like, uh, you know, here are the things I'm interested in. If you want this good, you know, if you want EB testing, go to draft. If you want something else, go to my Kickstarter page. If you want something else, go over there. It's kind of like a, a directory of all things Nick D. And, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm probably, I'm sure, as is my uh, habit, I'm sure I'm overthinking it. But I know that it is, I know that it's a thing that other people also overthink. So it's just kind of curious since you have that kind of multiple facets, if you have found some like magical way to deal with it on social media and places where you can't segment your audience. And it's like, you just, I just don't think there's anything you can do. I mean, my, yeah. I think my approach is going to be to just be totally transparent in the places where I can't control it, uh, you know, to their benefit. Like I can't control it in the way that I want to, to make my stuff relevant. So I probably, you know, comes down to a Twitter bio that says, hey, I do two things. I know that's weird. <laughs> here's, here's this, here's that. Go there if you want that. And, you know, and then just you just field replies wherever you get them, I suppose. Right. I'm, I'm curious to know how, because you have your daily email that you send out. I'm not sure if that's the only list you have or, if, you know, the main one. I'm, I'm certainly on that and I enjoy getting that. Um, but how do, you, how do you grow that? And what has that been looking like for you? Yeah, so... A couple of ways, some similar to what you've said, a little less advanced, I think. But one thing I do is, so I've got, I think, four what I call feeder campaigns. So they're like little email courses or little lead magnet campaigns, strip campaigns that are, you know, automated. And there's like anywhere from two to maybe, maybe six emails at the most that go out in response to somebody signing up for something on my website. So they'll go in and they'll put in their email address because they want to get a five page proposal template or take the value pricing crash course, uh, value pricing bootcamp. And at the end of that campaign, which is a standard drip campaign, uh, I think all of them go out daily, Monday through Friday. And then at the end of that, they get moved over to my inner circle, the daily list that is a broadcast. So they the broadcast, you know, you don't start at the beginning, you start it today. And so, so I send out one email before anybody gets on the daily list. I send out one email to them that kind of explains that they're going to be jumping into a, the stream of, middle of a stream of consciousness. So it might not make sense at first, 
I'll do my best to kind of make each email make sense on its own. But at times I do have to refer back to yesterday's email, which you probably missed. So just go with it. And before you know it, you'll be in the flow. And that one um, just sends out every day. So that's the, that's the basic setup. So my generally what I try to do is get is I'll, I'll advertise the feeder campaigns in various places. So like on this podcast at the end, I might say something like, oh, you know, picks for today, value pricing bootcamp. Next time somebody asks you for your hourly rate, go to valuepricingbootcamp.com and sign up for my five day free email course. And at the end of that, you'll get added to my list. It'll say, hey, I'm going to email you every day from now until, you know, I'm six feet under. So if you don't want that, unsubscribe <laughs> now. Uh, but in the meantime, you know, prepare to let the value bombs commence. And uh, so growing it has been a combination of uh, promoting those lists, either the five-day proposal template, the um, the value pricing bootcamp, on things like this show. I'll go on other podcasts and, you know, at the end when they say, oh, where can people find out more? I'll send them to exactly one. I definitely won't send them to Twitter. I won't send them to my website, you know, the homepage. I'll say go to this particular URL and... Uh, I, what else do I do? Um, for a while, I was in the habit of doing a webinar every month or two, and I would, I would do them on Crowdcast, which requires that you provide an email address to sign up. And then that would go into drip and it would say, okay, these people are interested in, uh, these people registered for whatever the hourly trap webinar that would add them to, uh, a campaign that wouldn't start like it'd be a campaign, but it'd be in draft mode. I wouldn't turn it on until I gave the uh, delivered the event to deliver the webinar or webcast. Then as soon as it was done, I would turn on the campaign and people would get a couple of follow-up emails after that with like links to related information from questions that I got or whatever. Uh, and then, you know, going forward, if anybody signed up to watch the recording, they'd automatically get on that drip campaign and then they'd automatically end up in the, the central broadcast, the daily email. So mm-hmm. I kind of have these little feeder campaigns that are really short and have some sort of basically some sort of lead magnet associated with them, either a video or a proposal template, or a short course, something like that. And then that gets them onto the main list. And so I never, I, I almost never, or every time I do, I regret advertising my book directly because it just, just the conversions are so low. If you have no idea who I am or, or you know, if the concept of, of ditching hourly billing is too radical, it's just like, people like, whatever, no thanks. Right, I've definitely found that also that I'm much more likely to get someone to sort of sign up for uh, an email course than to say, buy my book. And I, okay. I will also find that, like, you know, it's not unusual for me to see that I have a book sale and, you know, I don't have the ka-ching and the, you know, coming from my phone every every 20 minutes like you do. But, like, so 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 when I see that I have a book sale, I'll often go and sort of see, is this person a subscriber? Was this a subscriber before? And it's not unusual for them to have subscribed to one of my email courses and, like, two or three things in, they'll say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to get the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It's just it's so different. Like, I... I I don't know. I think I mentioned it already. I, I advertised on somebody's blog, uh, you know, and it was like 750 bucks for a week to sponsor the the blog. And it was like right in the RSS feed and everything. And I basically broke even on it with sales because I, but, but I promoted the book directly. And so it sent a lot of cold traffic to a long sales page about something that people weren't previously probably thinking about at all. And I didn't really, you know, I didn't have to sell that many books for it to make sense. So like it broke even, but it felt like even as I was doing it, I'm like, this isn't going to work. Like this isn't going to, certainly not going to provide it. You know, the, 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 the site, I'm trying to remember, it says something like 750,000 uniques per month, like a ton of traffic. Wow. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. And it's a popular site and you know, 750 bucks is basically, 
uh, a bargain to get in front of that many people. And it's a reasonably targeted audience for me. It was like web designers who often charge by the hour. So come into the concept of, of, of ditching hourly, just cold. I was like, you know, this is too much. I really should have pointed them at the value pricing bootcamp list and got them on my list at the risk of, of, of decreasing the quality, but they'll churn out of the list pretty quickly because it's daily. And, you know, so that probably would have been a better approach. Uh, yeah. So, so basically to me, my entire funnel is like get people on a feeder campaign somehow and kind of expose them slowly over time. So the ideas can kind of sink in because if you just hit somebody over the head with what for me was like two or three weeks of soul searching before I had an epiphany about what the problem was, you know, when I realized hourly billing was nuts, basically it took me some like a long time of introspection to even question hourly billing when it was staring me in the face that that was the problem. So if somebody is like coming along and their business is basically seems fine, you know, yeah, they'd like to make some more money and yeah, they'd like it if clients didn't micromanage them as much. And yeah, they wish the scope creep wasn't a problem. And yeah, you know, they wish they didn't have to fill out timesheets. They're all sort of small problems that add up to a big, a big thing, but they don't recognize the big thing. They see it as a bunch of unrelated problems, but really it's because you're billing by the hour that all those problems exist. So they don't feel like they have a giant pain usually. Uh, but anyway, once I start like sort of picking apart all those things and connecting the dots, then all of a sudden <laughs> I get emails from people all the time. Like, like I'll, I'll ask after they get the book, I send an email that says, were there any aha moments? And, and people will be like, it didn't click for me until this particular thing. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, he's right. <laughs> so it's not the kind of thing. I don't know. It's, it's uh, the approach to selling. You know, when I look back at my other site, it's a miracle that I've ever gotten a client when I think of how hard it is to just sell a $49 book, you know? So like to imagine that somebody's going to give me like five figures a month to kind of babysit their developers uh, or, or, or whatever, whatever they want to ask me questions randomly on the fly. And, and like, I, I know there's value there, but the fact that anybody else recognizes it is a, a miracle <laughs> because I'm doing a horrible job selling it on my old site. So I'm looking forward to redoing that this year. So let me ask you a few questions about your, your, your mailing list. Uh, as, as someone who's read your mails and has like paid attention to these things and not can corner you and get answers. Mm-hmm. Um, so first thing is, um, what did I want to say? Oh, uh, so at the bottom of your messages, you always say, basically you have an ad for yourself, mm-hmm. right? Like, do you want to buy the book? Do you want my coaching? Um, my impression was it's supposed to be better if you do this just once in a while. Mm-hmm. So I do it like once every four or five messages to my weekly list, like the programming list. Mm-hmm. Um, do you find that people come to you through this? Do you have any feelings about doing it a lot, a little? Uh, I'll never be able to come up with a link, but I remember listening to a podcast that really changed my mind about this concept. I think it was from the Side Hustle podcast. I can't, I really, it would, I'll try and dig it up for show notes. It's probably, I won't be able to, but I can tell you that some of the things that were my takeaways from that, which I believe are true, are that not everybody opens every email and if they, you know, you send them email, no link, no link, no link, no link. Then when they are finally ready to buy, now you got to force them to search through your old email to find one that had the link that they remember. It's just, to me, it's like annoying for the person to, to force them to go digging through old emails to find the link. So the way I see it is it's a convenience for somebody on my list. And, and part of that onboarding sequence, like when I said I send one email when they're coming into the daily broadcast list, I say right in there, look, yeah, I'm going to sell my products and services, duh, but I'm going to be, I'm going to be cool about it. I'm not going to be hitting you over the head with it and it's not going to happen. You know, and I don't do like a launch every two weeks, you know, I'll do a launch every six months. 
and you probably get you probably get four emails from me that are specifically promoting the launch. But other than that, there's going to be a link in the footer, and if you want to ignore it, ignore it. I don't care. But it becomes it becomes like I see it like because I get Phillips list, and he does the same thing. And right. I know. I noticed both of you do that. I get his list too. <laughs> yeah, and I I just don't. Um, it's different to be wasting people's time with sales copy, you know, for like paragraphs and paragraphs of convincing them to buy something. And then, you know, then the call to action, like my call to action, just sitting there, you know, it's like the, the email is independent of the call to action. Almost always. It's just the same, same one I post in every email. It's like my email signature. Hey, you want to buy the book? You want to learn more about this? Buy the book. Here's the link. You know? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've like occasionally said, Hmm. Yeah. Maybe I, maybe I should do it more often. And I mean, the big thing I'd like to do actually on my, developers list so they got like more than 2,000 people on it is say to people hey I'd love to come you know, if you like my explanations I can come do them in person hire me to come train at your company because mm-hmm. I think that's like going to be my best way to get into some of these big companies if someone says wow there's this guy we should hire him yep um, yeah I just a couple of things that I do th- think about I'm just thinking now I'm on another list I'm not on that many lists so maybe on like five and and one of them is completely unrelated to this it's called Exolymph and it's uh, it's like a sort of a steampunky like what's technology is like redefining what it means to be human being and you know it's like really forward thinking it's really cool if you're into that stuff it's called uh exolymph i'm sure if you search for it you'll find it like uh, being that it's made up word as far as i know but, <laughs> you know she it's 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 written by a writer like she's a professional writer and in every message she's like you know here's how you can help you kids you could refer some, you know, uh, clients to me, or you can back my Patreon, or you can share this on Twitter. And it's, it's like, I don't know. It's like somehow when it's in every email, it's less annoying to me because it's easier for me to ignore it, but I know it's there. So if something, mm-hmm. so if somebody says, oh man, do you know a writer? And I'm like, oh, I gotta, I, I gotta sign you, sign you his email from today's right here. Check this out. Or I can just forward that one. It would be annoying to me if it wasn't in every email. And maybe that's just like me preaching to the choir because I have an email list where I do it every day. But the, the thing that I don't like is when you you get an email where the entire thing is a disguised or they're trying to disguise a sales pitch and they're really just wasting your time. And then, you know, they spring it on you like, you know, have you ever had this pain and that pain? You know, it's you get to the end of it. It's just like, oh, I can I can solve it. It's like, really? You know, couldn't you? I don't know. That's, you know, it's a, I think it's a personal choice for everybody how they're going to how, you know, on the sleaze scale where they're going to land in their marketing. And I am comfortable where, with mine being like uh, just a sort of afterthought PS call to action in every single email that you know it's there. You don't have to read it because it's the same as yesterday. And, you know, it, for whatever reason, this was the aha email for you. You can go buy it. Uh, if not, eh, that's cool. Just keep reading the email. Okay. Um, another question is at the bottom of your email, you say, like, here's a link for you to read it on the web. Mm-hmm. And First of all, I don't just know. I just don't know how technically you can do that. I mean, we both use Drip, so I'd love to know that. But the second thing is, um, do you think that's a good thing to make it available on the web rather than just an email? Like, how many people actually click on that and use it? That's a good question. I don't know. Okay, a couple things there. So technically, that's the easiest question. Is technically, there is a Drip tag that you can use to that puts a link, puts that link in there for you, and the the on the you know on the web in the browser version is something hosted by Drip, and it expires after some unspecified amount of time. So it's not up there forever. It's specific to the person or it's to the list, to the broadcast? Uh, it is specific to the broadcast to that person. Mm-hmm. So they can share it and other people can look at it. Excuse me, but it gets tagged as with their subscriber ID. 
So, okay. you know, you can imagine. I, I never look at that, though. Like, uh, I, I manually added that in. It's not in there by default. I manually added it in because someone was having this problem. They were like, I really want to share this email. How do I share it? I was like, you could forward it. But, okay, you want to share it on Twitter. All right. Um, well, I'll add these links in the bottom so you can share a link to, like, the, the sort of un- – it's not unformatted, but it's, like, a very plain, you know, no – no navigation it's not on my site or anything and i you know you said you you do your list and you you um publish them on your site on tuesdays yeah i don't do that very consciously like i have every once in a while when i get the same question over and over and over from people i'll do a blog post about it so that i don't have to keep answering it and I can just forward them a link or a link to my other podcast, Ditching Hourly, and be like, I completely answered this as good as I'm ever going to answer it. Here's the, my canonical thought on the subject. You go to this article or listen to this podcast episode, uh, and, and there's your answer. But other than that, I ignore my website. I just use it to for sales pages and you know, and those articles, which are probably the best articles because of the questions that people keep asking. Uh, but if you go to my website, there's no navigation. Like you, you need to have a link. Right. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've gone back and forth on whether I should publish it on the blog as well. Like each uh, email. Well, I mean, I don't do it for my uh, developer emails. Like the, the, the developer-related stuff, I purposely don't put online. Uh, or I should say don't put on the web because I want people to subscribe. And if there's something really amazing, like there was a... Uh, it wasn't even part of that sequence. Like something I wrote about a year or two ago, they got a lot of positive feedback from. Mm-hmm. But just the last few days, I was thinking, you know, I should do that as a blog post. I think people would like that. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, I just sort of keep it there. But the Mandarin Weekly stuff is different because I want people to find it. I want it to be searchable. I want them to find it. And I want them to say, wow, I don't want to have to, like, I mean, they don't even know that it'll only go up on Tuesdays. But you go to the website, it says, get this in your inbox every Monday. And people say, yeah, I think I'll do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I will probably change my stance on this at some point. But right now, like you, I want to drive people to the list. And anonymous traffic on my website is is just so... It, it's useless. Like I can't help those people. You know what I mean? Like I can't do anything with, I can't answer their questions, but you know, there's an argument to like, you see, I also don't care about SEO. Like if I did care about SEO, I put a lot more content up on the website. So someday, you know, I have a, I wrote a little PHP script that downloads all of my broadcasts and like organizes them uh, so that I could just literally, I could take a gigantic folder of, you know, 500 articles and just drop them on my site one day. And instantly, you know, I have like an index page to it and instantly get spidered like crazy. And I probably will do that someday. Uh, Philip does that. He has uh, he has uh, like an archive section of the website. where The thing I don't like is the idea of somebody in the dark late at night reading through like 700 articles. I just don't think that's useful. I think that's a waste of that person's time. And I'd rather I'd rather drip out daily tidbits of information to because the goal for me is to get the light bulb to come on. And I don't think somebody just like, you know, like saucer eyed staring at my website for 10 hours consecutively <laughs> is a good way to do it. I'd rather put it in a book or, you know, drip it out daily in small, small bits and be able to answer questions. So like I'll send out an email on one day and I'll get 10 questions about it. If I get 10 questions about it, I know I did a bad job describing it. So I'll take the questions and turn that into the next day's email and be like, oh, I got a lot of questions about this. Here are the top three or here are the big ones. And, you know, these, these are my thoughts on it. And it's it's just so much more interactive. A website feels so dead to me now that I'm, I have an active list that it just seems like a waste of time. Look, I've said it before, but I've been writing a monthly or mostly monthly column for Linux Journal for 20 years, and 
the amount of feedback I've gotten from people on my mailing list, basically every month is more than I've gotten in response to the column combined over 20 years. Yeah. Like the pe- people feel free to, and I say, of course, you know, please respond, you know, please write to me. Sometimes I'm better about responding to them than others, although I eventually get back to everyone. But um, it's, it's an amazing feeling. People really are reading this and they're enjoying and they're, they're you know, giving feedback. Yeah. Um, let me make two, two other points. We should probably head into picks at some point soon. Yeah, yeah. Although we can talk about this for a long time. So there are two more things I'm thinking about doing it to, especially on the Mandarin list, to um, sort of increase, um, you know, increase the size and, and grow the list. Number one is to take old, and I think it sort of lends itself to it more than other things, take old postings or take old pieces of postings. So let's say I have 20 links per week. So if I've been doing this for 100 weeks now, right, that's like a lot. That's about 2,000 links. And put it in some sort of automated Twitter system. So that every hour, two hours, you get another link heading, you know, pointing people back. And I'm hoping maybe that would attract people on Twitter. Although, quite frankly, I'm a little skeptical. Uh, But it might do something. Yeah, I do that. And I agree with your skepticism. I don't see a ton of value there, but I do it. So like only because it's crazy easy. So like I have, I use this thing called Edgar, meetedgar.com, I think it is. And I take, I've got, I think it's 241 posts that I load into this library that it just sort of shuffles them and randomly sends them out, you know, like four or five a day on Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, and the Facebook page. And it just goes and goes and goes. And I do get, you know, and, and it's like, it's not all like, you know, links to my stuff. In fact, most of it's not links to my stuff. The vast majority of it is in this category I call share the love, where I'm <laughs> tweeting articles from people that I think are great articles that I think should be you know, more widely spread, sort of, sort of like your Mandarin thing. It's kind of like a curation. Uh, but also there, you know, every once in a while I'll do pro- promotional tweets like, hey, you know, here's, uh, you know, Matt Inglot saying that every freelancer should be forced to read Hourly Billing is Nuts and here's a picture of the book. You know, those are in there, but the vast majority of the stuff is like either inspiration or pithy thoughts or stuff that's of value, I think, to people. But, you know, like we were talking about before, I've got this weird situation where the, the people following me on Twitter, mostly software developers who followed me because of my expertise in the mobile space, especially mobile web. And uh-huh. and so now, you know, and so it kind of makes sense that they might be interested because they probably bill by the hour. So they might be interested in some of that stuff, too. But the thing that the thing that kind of freaks me out is the idea of you know, credit union president getting my name from someone and then Googling me and finding my Twitter feed where I'm selling a book about hourly billing. <laughs> that is kind of a bummer. So I'm like, how do I, I, there's no, I just, I, I think I'm just going to give up. Like I'm just going to need to put in my bio, like, look, I, I do two things. Deal with it. <laughs> I mean, I, I sometimes tell my clients and I, I mean, I guess in my case, it's more of a selling point than yours, but I sometimes tell people for whom I'm going to be training. I say, listen, I also do coaching for and teach other people how to do technical training. Yeah. And I, I think of that as like, oh, well, you know, well, you know, if he's, if he's teaching other people, he must know something. But in your case, if you're teaching people how to get more money out of their clients, that might not be the sort of <laughs> reputation they, they want to know about. Well, let's be fair. I teach them how to deliver more value to their clients. True. In, true. The, in the process, they probably end up making way higher profits, but it's a win-win. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's a disconnect. It's the first time I've pivoted my business. I've pivoted my business three or four times, but it's usually a, a 45 degree pivot. This is like a 180 degree pivot. So it's not even a pivot. It's a new business. So with everything attached to my personal name, it's, uh, you know, I've, I've definitely gotten some benefits from that, but it's, um, it's got some, some detrimental effects as well. But I, probably the best approach is just not care. <laughs> <laughs> So that's probably so what the, I have to do. 
so the other the other thing I, I, I'm thinking of doing um, is I guess starting about like two three months ago was I started tagging each of the tag each of the links I put in the Mandarin Weekly newsletter as being for beginners, intermediate, and advanced. Cool. And I'm thinking of using drip tagging to let people opt in and out of different levels. Nice. So I assume like that's going to be higher value for people, right? Because they're not going to have to wade through as much stuff that's irrelevant to them. I'd like to think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm just going to like play with, I mean, I've already got this program, as I mentioned, that sort of extracts things from Excel and puts them in HTML. Mm-hmm. So all I have to do is sort of have, I, I just need to do the little parts, like get the tag set up in drip and then get the if thens there and then let people opt in and out with different uh, links. But I'm hoping the next month that should happen. Yep. Yeah, that's a great idea. Um, anything else? Wow, this was, this was great, but like, I think we're, <laughs> we should probably wrap up at some point. I think we had, a, I think, a fairly long pre-show banter. I don't think we're too far over. That's true. Okay, there you go. Hey everybody, this is Charles Maxwood. I just wanted to talk to you really briefly about JS Remote Comp. Uh, we just picked speakers. Things are looking really good. And uh, we're really excited to cover a broad range of topics for JavaScript developers. So if you're looking to learn things about Node.js, about becoming a better developer, about deployment, about mobile development, and much more, and much more about JavaScript, then come check us out, jsremoteconf.com. Uh, you can also find it by going to devchat.tv conferences and then picking the conference you want. We have last year's recordings there. We have this year's uh, conference coming up. So make sure you get your ticket, and we'll see you there. We should probably wrap up at some point. I, we had, a, I think, a fairly long pre-show banter. I don't think we're too far over. That's true. Okay, there you go. Um, all right, you got any picks for this week? I do. Dear listener, the next time someone asks for your hourly rate, <laughs> go to valuepricingbootcamp.com to sign up for my guy. So, okay, do that. Uh, but the, the pick, um, one thing that's been a theme in this conversation is drip and obviously email marketing. Uh, you can use a lot of things for email marketing, email automation, just sending email in general to large groups of people. And I've used MailChimp. It's fine. Uh, drip matches more of my mental model of how I want to do it. So I, I prefer drip, but you know, MailChimp's great too. <clears throat> but if you are a drip user or you're a user of none of these things and you're trying to pick one, uh, I would highly recommend drip does everything you want without being overwhelming. And there is a thing called Drip Pro Tools from colleague and friend Brennan Dunn that uh, when you are ready, uh, if once you're once you are kind of got your legs under you doing drip email marketing, email automation, uh, you will eventually get to a point where you want to do things like Ruben is talking about doing, you know, segmentation, possibly using liquid tags to customize each email to the specifics of the, the person who'll be reading it, which, by the way, is not some tricky, sneaky thing. You're actually doing them a huge service by customizing the content to their specific needs so that it's 100 percent relevant. And <clears throat> Brennan is is this sort of hybrid developer turned marketer who is not afraid to get his hands dirty with some uh, reasonably hectic JavaScript. Uh, so he's put together this thing called uh, Drip Pro Tools that you can go to at com slash drip dash pro dash tools. We'll put that in the show notes. Uh, and it's, it offers, it's not, I don't think it's free. There might be some free stuff associated with it, but um, once you're to the point it's, that you need something like this, it's well worth the money. It's, it's a, like a multi-level course where like, the intro stuff is free. I think the software you have to pay for um, as part of the higher level course offerings, yep. um, which I must admit I've got, I, I've, I've signed up for it and paid for it, but I haven't had a chance to actually use it. Even though it looks amazing. Yeah. I mean, Brennan knows his stuff. Like he's, he's done some screencast walkthroughs of how to set up advanced workflows that drip uses in their documentation. So he totally knows his stuff. Uh, you can get some free videos. There's plenty of, he's got plenty of free content available on this. 
if you want his actual code, I think you do have to pay for it, but um, you could certainly roll your own if you felt like wasting a whole bunch of time. <laughs> But it's it's really good stuff, so I would definitely go check that out if you're thinking about getting into this sort of audience building via email approach that we're advocating here. And that's excellent. So um, I'm guessing about a year ago, maybe a little less, I uh, recommended a fantastic book called Disrupted: My Misadventure in the Startup Bubble, which was the guy, by the guy uh, Dan Lyons, who used to do the uh, fake Steve fake Jobs Steve blog. Jobs. Oh, it's, it, it's truly one of the funniest, funniest books and funny and sad uh, I'd read in a while because it rang so true about how startups work and how totally crazy they are with their culture and their so forth. And after reading that, um, I kept hearing about this other book, sort of similar, but different take on it called Chaos Monkeys um, by, oh, I have to double check exactly what it's by. Hold on. Anyway, uh, by uh, Ant- Antonio Garcia Martinez and subtitles Obscene Fortune and Random Failure in Silicon Valley. Um and it is not as funny, but it is still pretty darn funny and sad and amazing about this guy who um, did not finish a PhD in physics, but he went to work on Wall Street and then he went to do Y Combinator and then he sold his company to Twitter and started working for Facebook and then left Facebook. And basically the book starts with him leaving Facebook and then he sort of backs up. Uh, along the way, he had two unexpected children with his girlfriend and <laughs> on, on, on. <laughs> um, I, I, I think there's good reason why that girlfriend is not named an actual name in the book, uh, but has an alias, whereas everyone else's actual names. Um, and I'm just about done with the book and it is... Um, not surprising, right? But it's it's always amazing to to discover that the companies are that that we use for a lot of things are indeed as crazy as we think and as clueless as we think. And uh, if you're ever wondering, boy, I know nothing about freelancing. I know nothing about business. I can't possibly be successful. Well, <laughs> it turns out there are lots of people who are way more clueless than you are, and they've managed to make a lot of money. So um, you can you can on that on that chipper note, it's definitely worth checking out the book and uh, and la- laughing out loud at the appropriate parts. Nice. Awesome. I see Andrew Sorkin reviewed it, so we'll probably have a movie deal in the works at some point. Oh, oh yeah. That I'm I'm sure it would it would make for a good movie. Um Well, <laughs> thanks, Jonathan, and uh thanks to all of you listening out there, and we'll be back uh next week with another episode of the Freelancer Show. Awesome. Later. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.